Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. There's nothing like this. I was watching EastEnders this week, Pop Pickers, and I thought, I know that man. I know that man. Unfortunately, he was dying on EastEnders and he's in a coffin now. I thought, you know, I could know him for a lot longer, but he's dead now. But Omar is in EastEnders and that was Omar from about 1991. Pre-coffin. Pre-coffin. <laughs> oh my God, I love that song. And... Because I put it on my Sonos player, it took me back to the 90s. And I that was my decade, really, the 90s. I mean, you were just defeaters. But that was my decade. And it was all about music. So oh, I had, had, I had Trevor, my boyfriend. Best. And because I worked on the Sunday Times magazine, my main function as his girlfriend was to get him free CDs. I'm sure that wasn't your main function. It was my main function because he didn't really fancy me. But uh, my main function was to get him work, Marks and Spencer ready meals, and CD. What did you get and out then of this? Next, eh? What did you get out of this well, arrangement? I had an encyclopedic knowledge and then collection of soul rap, gangster rap. I used to love Ice Cube. Ice, 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 love ice, ice. No, because he was a white person. Wasn't he was he? great. He wasn't allowed ice, to do ice, it, baby. And so Trevor introduced me to. Oh, classic! To life, back to reality. Hit it, baby. And I remember watching that video on top of the pops and I just thought everyone in that video was just so beautiful. Just so cool as well. And Karen Wheeler, beautiful. And the girls dancing in the background. I could do that dance if only we had visuals. I know she can do that dance because yesterday she was doing it in the stables. And so my whole function was for Trevor to get all these artists into my magazine. I was on the Sunday Times magazine. And I did, and I managed, my absolute heartthrob was Maxwell. Whenever, whenever, whenever. I don't recognise that Maxwell. Song. I put him on the cover and I interviewed him. I think he had to get a restraining order. Another one. 
But Trevor organised the shoot with Maxwell and I said, I've got this amazing black photographer called Marcus Tomlinson. He does all the black artists. He's done Sade. He'd done Desiree. Do you remember Desiree? Yeah. You've got to have Marcus Tomlinson to do the cover of Maxwell for the Sunday Times magazine because Marcus Tomlinson is amazing. So he said, OK, we'll have Marcus Tomlinson because it was an all-black crew. And then on the day of the shoot, Trevor rings me up and he said, Marcus Tomlinson's turned up to shoot Maxwell, but he's not black, he's white. <laughs> but I thought he was black. Why did See, he? Well, I don't know. Why? Why? When I was growing up, I wasn't that into David Bowie because he was a bit frightening, but I was so into Mark Bolan and I always thought Mark Bolan was black, but he right. wasn't, was he? No. But I always thought he was. And I thought Marcus Tomlinson was. So Trevor was furious that this white photographer turned up to shoot a black artist. But he was obviously a talented photographer. What difference did he yeah, make? Yeah, and he shot all the black artists. And what difference does it make if he's a good photographer? What black, If he's green, what difference does well, it make? Well, as you can understand, everybody, Trevor, very, very shortly afterwards, once he'd amassed his CD mountain, dumped me for a stylist... What did she offer him? What was he after next? I think uh, she worked for a leather company. I don't know what she offered him, really. What was her name? Yeah, it used to be etched on my brain. The troll that for the but leather anyway. company. <laughs> and I remember that I drove... This is the danger of CDs. So Trevor decided he was moving out of my flat. So he packed up all his CDs. He left me a few. He left me Eye Size Baby. And he left me Michael Jackson. So all the shelves were empty. So then I drove him and all his CDs and his trainers to his office in Knightsbridge because that's where he was going to stay because he was now homeless because he'd left me. And he told me, Jenny, her name was, he was in love with a stylist called Jenny as I was going around Marble Arch. I can't do Marble Arch at the best of times. No. I get confused. I go the wrong way. Then I drove... Dropped all his stuff off. I'd have dropped him off in the bleeding Thames. Drove home. Snoopy, the cat, who was named after Snoop Doggy Dog. He revolutionised Just Eat Advert. I watched Just Eat Advert just for him. He hasn't aged either, has he? No, Snoop. but he makes it Snoopy pop. hasn't aged, has he, Snoop Doggy? No. Oh, neither have I. Look, we're like twins. How can you make a Just Eat Advert look cool? How can you do that? Snoopy, because Trevor had taken all the CDs, was on the shelves investigating, oh, here's a new place I haven't been. And Snoopy, because he took all the CDs, Snoopy got his head through a hole in the shelves, stuck, and I couldn't get him out. He was only a kitten. Oh, dear. So I called 999. Right. The night Trevor left me, 999, the fire engine turned up and about six firemen in my front room... To get my cat out of my shelves. Well, that's one way of getting Trevor out of your system, isn't it? Six firemen turning up. They did. We had to put. We had to put butter. It was more like an M and S spread round his neck, and they got him out without ruining my shelves. And when the firemen had gone, because this was a really big breakup, wasn't it? The firemen had gone. I then listened to my answer machine. Right. And it was a mess. It was flashing because these are the days before mobile phones. Yeah. And there was a message from Trevor saying, I really did love you, but we couldn't be together and I'll always be your friend and I'll, you can always count on me. And I never heard from him again. Oh, bugger off. No one needs the So I sat. Speech. Bugger off. Next to my 
Technics hi-fi system. As a leaving me present, I'd given him these Texit Technics disco turntables and speakers because he wanted to be a disc jockey. Hang on, hang on a minute. Back up, back up, Jones. He left you for Jenny the stylist. Jenny the stylist. And you gave him a leaving present that wasn't a kick up the arse. A DJ mixing board, speakers, two turntables, professional. Is there anyone else listening to this podcast that wants to reach across and slap Well, I'm wondering if he wants to give them back to me because vinyl's coming back in, isn't it? Vinyls, I love vinyls. You can't And so I sat... With my empty shelves, with my kitten, who was all tufty because he'd been covered in butter, listening to my breakup songs. Now, the theme this week isn't chippy or moist, it's breakup songs. Or slap list for giving someone my a breakup song. Up. I sat over and over and over and over and over and over. isn't a breakup song. This is a Shag the Fireman to get over Trevor song. Well, in my mind, Trevor and Prince were very, very sort of interlinked, really. If I Was Your Girlfriend is another one of my favourite songs when he says, you know, can I dress you up, you know, because how can I be, be a better boyfriend to you or be more like a woman, you know? And I think after losing Trevor... I sort of went into a bit of a barren period. Is this like your three and a half men that's really more like 10, 12, 15? No, it's only three. No, it's only three and a half. No, we calculated differently. We calculated differently. But Prince is, isn't he? He's, he is like, he's the, he is the master. He's like the Adele, isn't he, of years ago. He's the master of breakup songs or having sex songs. No, because Adele's just whiny. He's just. Funny, sexy, naughty, heartbreaking. I still can't believe Prince is dead. I still thought we'd be together yeah. one day. Yeah, I think we're back to Omar in the coffin, though, aren't we? It's not going to happen. I love Omar. Do you want to hear Omar again? No, 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 I'm, I'm done with Omar. I'm done with Omar. Move on. You wanted, actually, didn't you, to get him onto the podcast? Yes, I don't know why we don't start having guests. Now, I think probably the reason is because people are quite scared. I think also the problem is is we only want guests that we want to shag. We yeah, want, Omar. Yeah, Omar, Tom Cruise. Morton Harkett. And the cheekbones. See, I think I think we've, we've got an agenda, haven't we? It's not <laughs> we want interesting guests that will bring something positive to the podcast. We want to get in a room, make them vulnerable... And take advantage of them. Yeah, like we don't want Prince Harry, do we? Moaning about his mental well-being. No. We want, we want Omar, fresh from his coffin on his standards. No, we, we've got our own mental well-being to moan about. But shall I tell you what I've been reading this week? Go on. Feverishly, the Tom Bauer book about Meghan. Because that was just out yesterday, wasn't it? It's called Revenge. It's a good title. I like the title already. Now, Tom Bauer is an amazing biographer. He's done so many different people. I remember reading the one he did about Richard Branson. Um, he's done Boris. He's done everybody, and everyone's quite scared of him. And it is forensic, and it's actually better, I think, than Tina Brown's. But I sort of ended up feeling a little bit sorry for Megan. Did you? Yes. Don't flick your doppelganger hair. <laughs> 
there's two sort of chapters that I sort of read first, because obviously I'm a media whore. And it's one of them was about her being on the cover of Vanity Fair. Hang on a minute. Hang on. You mean you don't start from the front and work all the way through? No. Oh, my God. That is so wrong on every level. That's literally sent my OCD about books into a turbo. Nicola doesn't have OCD. You should see her car. I do. You can't dip into a book like that. You can't do it. Anyway, she did the cover of Vanity Fair. And it's what comes across to me in the book is that you think you're going to be successful and famous. So you're a film star or you're an award-winning columnist or you marry Prince Harry. And you think life is then going to be great because you never have to worry about money if you marry Harry or it's going to be fantastic and everyone loves you and you go to the red carpet and you never have to get the bus and you never have to order just the eat. You know, it's, it, life is going to be fantastic. But when she does the cover of Vanity Fair what comes across in the book is it's so stressful for her because they've said to her, Harry said to her, the palace said to her, don't talk about Harry. You only want to talk about yourself, your career, your campaigning, because they weren't they weren't engaged then. They were just dating. And the cover line read Wild about Harry. And she did talk about Harry. So she obviously then was dreading Vanity Fair coming out and crying and she had the fallout from the Paris and the fallout from Prince Harry because he said, don't mention me. But that's what happened. So, yeah, I thought, oh, great. You know, I'll be doing magazine cover stories and I'll be on the cover and I'll be doing a column and I'll be doing interviews. But all you get is stress and fallout and people complaining. I mean, she wanted this, didn't she? She wanted fame. Yes, but she you don't realise... I thought it would be great having Lynn Barber interview for me for the Sunday Times magazine. I literally wanted to throw myself into the River Swale. It's so stressful. No, I get that. What are they going to say? That. What are they going to say? And I've the other chapter I read in the book first was about when she edited an issue of Vogue. And although looking from the outside, we thought, great, you're going to edit an issue of Vogue. And what fun, you put all your friends in everything. The backstory of it was... She was having Zoom meetings with the Vogue staff. All the Vogue staff were rolling their eyes at her stupid ideas. And there was arguments about stuff and they all thought that she didn't have enough gravitas and people in the palace were crying because they couldn't shut it down because there was so much publicity about it. And you kind of wonder, when is something, what it says on the tin... It is going to be a because you'd think being an editor of a magazine is great, but I imagine with Edward, he was tearing his dreadlocks out. Do you know what I mean? It's a nightmare. When I was an editor, it was a nightmare. You just get people complaining, and then you get the publisher saying, Well, that hasn't sold enough copies, and you went over budget on that. And why hasn't carried down your expenses? And why are you doing that? Jennifer Aniston's complaining you didn't give her knickers back. It's just a nightmare. It's a nightmare. But you kind of know that, don't you? You know, if you're in a newspaper or if you're in a, an editorial that's published on a certain date, there's no question it's going to be stressful, is it? It's got to be. No, but the level of stress and the level of things you have to deal with yeah. when you're dealing with celebrities, money, publishers, editors, fashion shows... Unless you actually do it, you don't know how awful it is. I don't think Megan could have known, same as I didn't. I was looking at her video of her and Harry. They were talking at the UN quite recently, during yeah. this week. Yeah. And they were sitting in the audience and he gave a talk and the place was half empty. And she was hanging on to his arm and he looked really unhappy and she looked quite anxious. 
But I was reading the comments on Twitter and oh my God. Oh, she's got a weave. Oh, what are those bumps on her forehead? Let's enlarge Let's that. The level of hatred is unbelievable. And I've had a little bit of that, but nothing on the scale of Megan. And it really does affect every cell of your body. Unless you've had it happen to you, you just laugh it off or something, wouldn't yeah. you, if you're real. But unless you know what it's like to read Twitter and then just go pale with shock. It's so unnecessary. Honestly, I think it's horrendous. I mean, even... When but they were designed. they were focusing on her eyebrows. They yeah. were focusing on the way she was holding his arm. Don't get personal. That's nasty. Don't get personal. I don't think anybody could have prepared her for that level no, of hatred I, online. No. no. So uh, I came away from Tom's Bowers book feeling quite sorry for both of them, actually. Yeah. So you've been reading a memoir, haven't you, Nick? I have. I've been reading No Shame, which came out yesterday by Laura Belbin. And for anyone that doesn't know, Laura is the lady that does the cameos of celebrities. She does like funny mock-ups of, of pictures, all their serious poses. And she'll sort of get a belt and strap it around her boobs and sort of make, you know, show the reality really of what of what real women are like. You know, we, we don't all lean against a wall draped in silk and look amazing. Well, you do. But, I'm, it's, not, yeah, but it's actually probably like me and you, isn't it? They'll take a picture of you in a Victoria Beckham bandage dress and you'll look lovely. And they'll put one of me and I'll look like a, a, a roast joint going in the oven. So you're the, you're the Laura Belgian of this. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the sausages that have got too tight skin. So she's very, very funny. And, you know, she does a huge amount on Instagram. We've got a huge following. So I saw that she had a book out. So I thought, oh, I'd be interested to see what it is. And I thought it would be more along those lines. And it's called No Shame. So I thought it would possibly be about body shaming because she that's what she does. You know, she shows the reality of cellulite and two bellies. And, you know, she's very brave about it and very funny about it. And it wasn't actually. It was It was about her story. And briefly, she was sexually abused as a child horrific she doesn't go into detail about that in the book you don't really sort of know who what where and when uh. so she doesn't talk about that but she talks about how it affected her she talks about you know when she's doing all these instagram pictures she'd actually she's had three breakdowns in her life and she had this most awful breakdown during covid they all coincided as well with her having children which went back to the, the sexual abuse really because she wanted to protect her babies and it's it's very sad and it's a sort of Along the line, it's her she's experience. Got a husband. She's got a husband who was who apparently was amazing. So it's sort of her experience. Well, that's something in, in her life. Well, she's got a husband. Her. She's got children. She's, she's got, got a successful a huge career. Following. She's got books out. Yeah, but again, you know, it doesn't necessarily make you happy. She was tormented. It's an interesting book. For God's sake, if if swearing, if you find that offensive and you find the c word offensive, stay away from the book. It's very sweary. I thought it was a shame, really. I mean, I'm I'm not offended by that sort of thing. It detracted a little bit from me how serious her story was. Is it because she's was. so angry? I think she's just a sweary person. It wasn't always in the context of anger. But I think the book is written very colloquially. I mean, if you take something like Glorious Rock Bottom by Bryony Gordon, it's a... Oh. Uh, uh, my... Oh. <laughs> It's, Do you want to go and work for Bryony? If she pays more, I told you, I'm open on the market for any more money. And that's very polished. You know, that's very polished. It's very heartfelt, very candid. This is equally heartfelt and candid. 
but it's very, very colloquial. So stay away if you're worried about the C word. Having said that, you are swept away with her journey. It's incredibly raw. As she says, while she's writing the book, she's still going through a process. She's going through therapy. She's still trying to work it through. So this isn't a how to cope with it book. It's, it's this is what's helping me book, but it's not a definitive how to cope with it. And I could relate to a lot in the book. I mean, I, I wasn't sexually abused in the same way as a child, but I had an experience which stayed with me and affected me. And I saw a lot of the patterns in her that was in me. So for me... Did someone steal your ice cream? No, no, no one, no one would dare. No one would dare steal my ice cream. But what happened with me was, just briefly, my mum had a boyfriend, very serious, they were engaged, you know, it was a very serious relationship. My mum was working all the hours God sent, so she would, often she was a caterer, so she was out doing weddings and stuff. And of course, her fiance would would look after me. And I was I was young. I'd probably say I was between ten and twelve, something like that. And he started coming into my bedroom naked, just with a dressing gown on, with an erection. And I I I didn't have a dad. You know, I'd grown up with me and my mum and my nan. I didn't really sort of understand it. I just knew it wasn't wasn't good. Did you tell your mum? No, I didn't tell my mum. And it's part of what she. Laura talks about is there's a feeling of guilt and a feeling of shame and he never actually touched me but he would come and stand really over my bed with this erection and it was awful and it, what I started doing as soon as my mum went out I started I'd take my dog and my cat into my bedroom and I would barricade my door you know like one of them little door stops and I would barricade my Isn't door. Isn't it funny though how children don't Tell anyone. No, no, I couldn't tell, um, tell anybody. And I was very like that. I mean, I didn't tell my mum when I started my periods. I didn't, I mean, I think it was two years before she knew. I was very, very embarrassed and shy and private as a child. And, and I think this probably had something to do with it. And I remember one night laying in bed and I, it was excruciating. I wanted to go to the loo. I needed a wee. And to go to the toilet, I'd have to walk through the front room where he was and I couldn't do it. And I waited until he'd gone to bed and I climbed out of my bedroom window, went to the toilet through the back door and climbed back in my bedroom window. And it was awful. I mean, and and she talks about how it changes you. And it's true. I became a people pleaser. You know, I, I was when I saw a therapist, that's what they sort of said that I, was my problem. You lose your boundaries. It's It's... It's quite awful, and I did. I never told my mum, and they broke up. He was he was an awful person. He he broke up, but he would try and discredit me to my mum. So I remember once I was walking through the front room, he tripped me up, so that a cup of coffee went over him, and then he said to my mum, "I chucked the coffee over him." And of course, my mum was furious with me because he said that I chucked the coffee over him, and he was lying. So he used to do all this stuff to discredit me because he was angry that he couldn't get in my bedroom anymore. It was awful. And I told my mum about it, oh, probably, not when I was an adult, probably about 10 years ago. And she actually tracked him down, banged on his door and, and went for his throat. Oh, went, well done, no, my bear. No, my mum went and found him and she went after him and I well think he done. regretted it. But I couldn't tell anyone at the time. It was this, it was this dirty secret. And you wonder... Was it me? What did I do to for this? And I didn't really understand it. No. And I think it really affected my relationships, my relationships with men. I became, as a teenager, I became sort of over flirty. And 
You know, You're my still boobs are. pushed up in a bra. It was like that was the way to get attention from men, was to sort of be a bit flirty and have your boobs out. And and it sort of took me years to think, actually, do you know, my worth is more than that. So it was quite interesting. And obviously I think her situation, as I said, she doesn't go into it, and I think it was much, much worse than mine. But I could see these parallels, but how we reacted to it and, and, and went through this process of feeling guilty and feeling quite ashamed of yourself and this sort of people-pleasing. So it, it was interesting. And the thing is, I think child abuse, it becomes like a dirty secret. And I wonder how many people hide experiences, whether they're, you know, I mean, everything is relative. There is no lesser experience. I mean, my experience is relative to me, hers is relative to her. But obviously, I wasn't physically abused, and that, I'm sure, is much worse. No, I know, but you remember, I've, I've written about this in the Daily Mail, that I was attacked when I was in primary school by a group of boys, and they put, put yeah. me in the boys' loo. Yeah, um, And I never told my mum, I never told anyone. But I think that made me so scared of men. I didn't have sex till I was 32. No. Because I was so introverted and shy. No, that's awful. I went to an all-girls school, a high school after that. Didn't encounter boys. So I think the reason I sort of fell in love with famous people was because I didn't want anyone real near me. Because yeah. these boys, Richard, his name was, dragged me into the boys' loo. And we see that, don't we, I think, a lot of time, you know, women that fall in love with gay men. I often find gay men really, really attractive. Um, it's because they're unobtainable in a way. They're, they're like this really yeah. nice guy, you know, but they're unobtainable. Or married men, you know, they're sort of, they're not yours. They seem wonderful. They're probably, they're probably wives wouldn't agree sometimes. Yeah. But you sort of go for this unattainable thing. Yeah, I do think that experience when in primary school, it just made me incredibly introverted and shy and nervous. And I'm, I'm, I'm still very shy and I'm still very nervous. Yeah. I get nervous about everything, don't I? And it's so hard to unprogram that, isn't it? It's so hard to sort of go back to to when you was a child and sort of, you can't take that experience away. You've just got to try and unravel it and live with it. I mean, I found that, and she talks about this, another thing is saying sorry all the time. You apologise for yourself all the time. I always, I pick up the phone and say, so sorry to bother you. Could you help me with so-and-so? Or I... Someone bumps into me and I say, sorry. You know, all this time you're saying you're apologising. But you, you have a flip side it. as well, Nick, is where you're very, very, very forceful. You do have a flip side to you. I think I, I, I can be forceful if I'm defending something. So if I'm defending my animals, I am incredibly, this is what is right for my animals. Yeah, but you I'm have a very protective. short fuse. I don't know I'd agree with that. No, you do. I don't know I'd agree with that. I think, I think what happens is, I think when someone's got a short fuse is you've got all these, what we were talking about the other week with Dr Chatterjee, you've got all these micro stresses and they add up and then something that's probably unrelated or just sends you over the edge and you, you lose your rag. And I think that's probably what happens. You sort of don't say, you don't respond. You're doing this people-pleasing thing. You're apologising for yourself all the time. You get all these little tap, 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 tap. And then one day, just that little tap that's, probably insignificant just sends you right over the edge but it's i would say it's a, it's 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 a good book it as i said it stay away if you don't like sweary um but there's a lot of valuable discussion in it a lot of information about how she deals with the trauma and it is brave and it is honest and i came away sort of thinking what did i just read you know it was kind of like one of those books you think what did i just read 
but you come away with a real empathy and a real validation if you've been through anything like that you come away with some validation for your own experience as well there's a a funny line in Tom Bauer's book I don't know whether Megan's going to complain about it but they accuse her she does a shoot um, for Vanity Fair and they accuse her of going home with the very expensive Altazura shoes she didn't give them back she took them home easy done accidents happen but I was on a shoot with a very 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 is an antidote a very famous <laughs> pop star and in the middle of the shoot he got his entourage to set the fire alarms off so everyone had to leave the building and they nicked all the jewellery and all the watches. No. Very famous. No. Are you going to name him? I don't want to be sued. <laughs> you can tell me later. Tell no, me I will later. tell you later. No, tell me later. That's terrible. That's hilarious. Quite clever though, isn't it? That's something to think of in the future, of how to, how to get but, a lovely but, Rolex. But come Sunday, Nick, you're going to even have a shorter fuse and more snappy. I am, I am. Uh, t tomorrow, oh God help me, tomorrow I'm starting a five-day fast um, to raise money for Animal Hope Uganda. They're, they've got a lot of bills for food and medicine and stuff, and they're really, really, really struggling to feed the animals. So I figured I would stop eating so that we could raise money for animals to eat. And we'll put, if you are kind enough to sponsor me, I'll be very grateful. We'll put the PayPal link up with the podcast. And if you've yeah. got, you got Norris and Ross McWhorter adjudicating, no. How do we know you're not going to sneak a sneaky Mars bar ice cream? Because I'm a vegan, I don't eat Mars bars. No, you get vegan Mar Mar Mars bar ice creams now. What, vegan ones? Yeah. Oh my God, now you tell me. Okay, I'm starting to fast tomorrow. Now you bloody tell but me. But don't you think it's a bit risky, Nick, when you've I've had vertigo for six months to suddenly just stop eating. Well, no, because I've, I've, I've fasted before for three days, so I know what I'm doing. And I think, do you know what? I, I think if you're asking people to sponsor you and you're asking for money for people, I honestly think it should be something really difficult and challenging. Yeah, but you've still got a difficult and challenging enough life getting up and doing your horses. Yeah, which makes it all the more reason I hope people will put their hands in their pockets, sponsor me and feed the dogs in Uganda. <sighs> Would you want to know what this column this week is about? How many men are involved this week? Well, it's not really about men. They put a funny headline on Jones Moans. It says, what Liz loathes this week, apart from everyone. <laughs> That's pretty much it then, isn't it? And it's it? just really, I'm just sort of raging at why everyone is just so rude and horrible to me all the time. Don't, don't help me. Um, never do anything nice for me. And I'm just left with all the work. And I couldn't go to my pop concert because I couldn't get a dog sitter. What is wrong with these Gen Z people? Oh, no, I'm away. Where, where are you going? Have you noticed as well, they've all got, all these young people have got Money. these fantastic cars. I was Money. at the petrol, yeah, I was at the petrol station in my 20-year-old flipping, like, old car that's falling apart. And I was just watching all these, like, 20-something-year-olds and, and teenagers going in in their lovely flash cars. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? So I'm just feeling quite sorry for myself and railing at people. So I'm railing at grown women on boyfriend's shoulders at festivals. They're blocking yes. my view and they're getting in the way and they're showing off. Yeah. Do, you not, do you not want to just punch them? Yes, because I'm quite jealous that they're light enough to get on their boyfriend's shoulders without drilling them into the floor. And I went to look at a house for rent 
lovely house, but sort of next to a motorway. And the woman, beautiful house, £1,700 a month, because I'm worried about being homeless. And the woman, the mum, renting out, oh, she said, it's my forever home. I'll be back in four years. She said, oh, by the way, I've locked the biggest, loveliest, dual aspect sitting room because all my furniture's going in there. So £1,700 a month to rent this house, and you can't use the lovely room because she's locked all her furniture in Back there. Back her off. Just pay for storage, you type bitch. Back her off. Holiday cottages. <gasps> it Why do fear. people want to go on holiday to holiday cottages? They're clearly dumps, clearly dumps, and they always state on the website, no pets. Why would you want to go away without your dog? I don't understand it. Or... The other one on holiday cottages, one small pet, an extra charge. So I got really angry about this. So I emailed them. I said, how about no men over six foot? Yeah, one small pet. What difference does it make? But what about big men? Did, did you what about or, children? Or giant children. What Why does children? a pet have to be a certain size? I don't know. Do, you, <laughs> do they get weighed as they walk through the door? So I'm pretty fed up this week in my column and I couldn't go to my concert and all I'm doing is looking after the horses. I had to chase your horse around the field for about an hour because he wouldn't be caught. I know, it was a bit naughty. Pushing wheelbarrows up hills. There's no need for me to go to the gym. No. Don't do anything for me, though. I'm still fat. I don't think you do it fast enough. I do it as fast as being able to breathe allows. But the good news is I got all of my stuff out of storage. Yay! Because... Unlike the bitch renting her house out for £1,700 who wanted to put it in the biggest room and lock it, what am I going to do? Steal your horrible furniture, we on it. And the Gracie might. Yeah, we'll Gracie might. <laughs> Gracie might. She said, how many collars have you got? I said, two. <laughs> <laughs> two. You've just, you've just got television. Two. two. I've got two. <laughs> um, I could have said to her, well, how many children have you got? Interfering bitch. Um so I got all my stuff out of storage because I've been paying for storage for years and I just can't afford it. And it's a shame for you not to have your nice things around Yeah, but you, they don't it? fit in the cottage. So no. my mum's desk, my my lovely old mum's desk, which is about the only thing I ever got from her, is now in the garage being rained on. But I have got her brass pot. The brass pot was very famous in my house. We love the pot. And it's still got the little stubby pencil she used to write her shopping list oh, on. Oh. So she'd write a little shopping list, half a queue, because we could never afford a whole cucumber, Tom's, tomatoes. Yeah. I love when people abbreviate, like Tom. I would never abbreviate tomato to Tom's. Yeah, my mum, half a queue. That's quite sweet. That's sweet. And the column ends, I hate people. And I do, because everyone's just horrible to me. Horrible. <laughs> Everyone leaves me to do all the work. I haven't had a lie-in since Christmas. I never get to go anywhere because I can't find a dog sitter because they're all on holiday. Um, I'm just really fed up this week. I think hate people is a theme this week. I've been looking at all the animal abusers on Twitter and I've just been ranting, I hate people, I hate people, I hate people. I think it's a real theme at the moment. You can read this week's diary in full Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Do you want to know what my archive is? Go on. Now, this 
it was published a few years ago. Do you remember that my friends has got these friends in Manchester and they were made homeless? I do. They had a lovely Rottweiler. Yeah. Beautiful dog. So she said, they're made homeless. Why don't we put them up in a holiday cottage in the Yorkshire Dales? And I said, well, I think it's probably wrong to take them out of where they live because of benefits and everything and their work and what they're going to do in a holiday cottage with no money. So she said, no, no, we'll put them in. So we, we rented a holiday yeah. cottage. You got them a box of vegetables and stuff and dog food so yeah. we went to introduce them to the people renting out the holiday cottage the moment they heard the couple were homeless they didn't want them and then the couple who owned the holiday cottage were talking to this couple who were sort of in their 60s saying you do know how to use an induction hob and you can't use solvents on it and the shower's a bit difficult and you need to have enough coins to use the electricity meter and you do know logs are extra and you do know the dog can't go to the loo in the garden. And they were like... They were awful. We want to go back to Manchester. Weren't they awful? I think they left early, didn't they? They left early. They were so awful that they left. But this is what annoys me. I know everyone's about to go on holiday and I hate holidays. Is you get somewhere and you don't feel comfortable because there's so many rules and regulations. Leave the key by the back door and make sure you don't do this and make and make sure your dog's small. And it's just not restful, is it? Anyway, so I wrote this column about staycations, and it isn't really a staycation if you go to a holiday cottage. A staycation is when you stay at home and you have day trips to Frenton. A staycation is when you stay at home. Yeah, that's what we did. We used to go to South End. Anyway, I live in a prime UK holiday hotspot, and it was hot this week, wasn't it? It was hot. The Yorkshire Dales. I always feel so sorry for families who booked a holiday cottage here and to arrive to find it riddled with notices telling them what they can and cannot do. No dogs upstairs. That's another one. On the bed. Can't have your dog on the bed. Yeah, you try and keep them off. How about you hire a rustic log cabin on the edge of rolling farmland? You will doubtless be sprayed with DDT come spring. Any wild birds you want to look at? They have doubtless been caught in a larson trap to flap listlessly for months. Do you know larson traps are still legal? It's disgusting. You have a crow in a trap flapping for months with no environment, just wire, to attract another bird. The bird falls in and they kill the bird in front of the other bird. Disgusting. So that's what you're going to see when you rent the lodge on the edge of farmland. Do you want to rent a cottage on a huge, beautiful estate with a castle? It still uses snares to protect grouse and pheasant from, yes, you guessed it, the family cat. There was a cat killed by a snare on this estate and I contacted them and the spokesman said to me it was fine as the cat in question wasn't microchipped and was doubtless feral. Oh well that's fine then oh, isn't it? Fuck off. That's I'm fine sorry. then isn't it? Fuck off. You I imagine abusing buggers. I imagine British holidaymakers' children will be screaming even more loudly than usual when they stumble across yet another casualty. And the spas I've just tried to book a day at a five-star spa near York to be told they don't do intimate waxing as the staff are not sufficiently trained. Well, what have they been doing during lockdown? They should have been training them to wax me. Well, at least they're honest, because the last thing you want is someone pulling wax strips off and they don't know what they're doing. That'd be bad. No, but you could have trained them. That would have been an idea. Well, yeah, no. The doubtless of the belief body hair prevents holiday makers from getting frostbite. 
I know I'm coming across a bit Jade Beer. She was the glossy magazine editor ridiculed last week for bemoaning the lack of taxis in the Cotswolds. But most restaurants in the countryside do stop serving at 9pm because that is when the chef, like, stops. Yep. The BBC is currently rerunning episodes of Forty Towers for a reason. It's propaganda, softening us up for hotel rooms with multiple beds in them. Why? Why? I can't stay in a hotel room with multiple beds. I know you love them. I can't stay in a hotel with multiple beds in. Well, I always think if I've got a multiple bed, the dogs can have one and I can have one, so I get a good night's sleep. But it's sleep, just but... awful. No. And a grapefruit cut in half with a glass of cherry on top when we're yearning for pineapple carpaccio in the courtyard of a distant Riyadh. We can but dream. Yeah, keep Don't dreaming. go on holiday in the UK. It's rubbish. So where would you like to go on holiday then? I don't go on holidays because I'm just too fussy. See, I th- I would love a holiday, but I would be terrified. Your whole life's a holiday. I wish. I'd be terrified of going somewhere where there's animal abuse. I don't want to go on holiday and be rescuing animals the whole time. I want to go on holiday and have a holiday, but I couldn't stand it. I think you'll probably have to go somewhere, I don't know, like the Antarctic, but then there's polar bears, there's the polar aren't there, bears. or penguins. That's the bloody po- I can't stand it, honestly. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. letters this week have we no we haven't they're very quiet this week i think it's the heat i think it was your fault because you said last week don't write in and complain did i (laughs) and i think they couldn't say anything positive about the column about your decisions so (laughs) they were just stayed quiet but we did have Catherine, and Catherine (laughs) telling you off (laughs) Catherine says what example you are setting to women Two men on the go. It's really not nice. It's honestly disgraceful. But one of them is just a pen pal. You I'm were, only having were, sex with one of you them. Were, you were du- you were talking about double parking. If you 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 if it had turned up, yeah, but he didn't turn up, did he? No, but that wasn't because it was like a trying, was it? Anyway, what? Why not? What are you waiting for? The virgin yeah. wedding night. So Catherine, or whatever your name is, this song is for you. That we're not going to be downtrodden by Trevor and his ilk. We're going to carry on and have fun. We are. In it, Maestro. Best song ever. At first I was afraid. I was a petrified. Thinking I could never live without you by my side. And after spending many nights. Thinking how you did me wrong. I grew strong. Ready? 